to The Breakdown with INFB. We're your hosts, Garrett Kelly and Heidi Gant. Each month, we'll feature prominent leaders in the ag industry, newsmakers, and even some average folks with interesting stories to tell. Today, we're joined by American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall. President Duvall has served as president of the American Farm Bureau Federation since 2016. He's a third-generation farmer from Georgia. He and his son operate a beef cow herd, raise broiler chickens, and grow their own hay, all while continuing to restore the farmland that has been in the family for more than 90 years. So welcome, President Duvall. Thanks so much for joining us today as one of our first guests on our podcast. Well, I'm honored and I'm proud to be with you today. Let's get right into it, President Duvall. So when you look at the president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, that's a big job. What what led you to pursue that role and, and how did you get there? Well, you know, I'm a farmer at heart and spent all my life on the farm, so I really didn't pursue anything uh, except for I uh, have this uh, tendency to try to uh, look at life as uh, doors being opened by my Lord, and, uh, and doors have opened up uh, over my last 30 or 40 years. It has brought me to this position, and I really think this is uh, not only my work, but my mission in life. That's great. So you've been in the role for, for a few years now. So has there been something that's surprised you in the role or maybe something you didn't expect when you took over the presidency there? Well, I think no one really can grasp how big it is, uh, how big this role is, how busy it is. Uh, how much travel really goes with it, and how difficult travel is on, on your body. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I say a lot, as I'm the 12th president, there's only 11 other people that's uh, been leaders of this organization that really knows the strength and power that our grassroots bring to this organization. Wow, that's incredible. Only, and, and how, over 100 years, probably? 103 now, coming wow. up. Uh, yep. So, uh, you know, it's, until you sit in this seat, you really don't know the powers uh, that lie in this uh, wonderful city in D.C., uh, how they reach back and want to have the support of this organization that represents farmers and ranchers. Yeah, that's incredible. And speaking of representing farmers um, all across the U.S., uh, President Duvall, you and I met when you came to Indiana this summer. Um, you came to yeah. Southern Indiana and visited our President Randy Crone's farm and went to a few different places. So was there something that stuck out on, on that visit or um, something about Indiana uh, that you can remember from your visit? Yeah, I just, you know, when you go to Randy's farm and that wonderful shop he's got, it just made me really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> We'll let him know you said that. <laughs> but you know, every farmer is that way. You're going to see some of my farm you might be jealous of too. So, uh, uh, and jealousy is not a thing. It runs in my blood. But, you know, the desire to have something that nice. But he's a row crop farmer. He needs a great shop. He needs to be able to take care of his machinery. I'm an animal guy, so I've got good working pens, you know. So, I, I put my working pens up against his shop any day. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of goes with what you do at each each day. But, you know, as far as the diversity of agriculture in Indiana, and I think Randy was trying to show me that. Uh, I did, you know, I, of course I saw the uh, in-your-face corn soybeans going down the road. Uh, but he, he uh, uh, intentionally took me to the poor, took me to a uh, uh, refinery, took me to ethanol production, he took me to a small uh, beef packing facility and a number of other uh, areas where I saw the diversity of Indiana agriculture, which was very interesting to me because uh, when you ride through that part of our country, 
the breadbasket of, of our country and breadbasket of the world, uh, the corn and soybeans is in your face. And, you know, I always say, how can you ever have a uh, elected official not be all about agriculture because you can't look anywhere in Indiana without seeing it? It's a, it's a staple of growing up here, for sure. You're used to yeah. seeing that. So when we talk about agriculture, President Duvall, it's, it's ever-changing, and, and kind of so are the issues facing it. So what would you say maybe some, some threats or, or the main issues facing agriculture are right now, and, and what does AFBF do to, to address those issues? Yeah, right now, uh, on the front of everyone's mind is input cost, availability. Uh, can, can, can I afford it, and can I get it? Uh, transportation, labor. Uh, the, the list is not short. It is long. Uh, but I would say input cost is, is on the front of everybody's mind right now. The things that we do uh, to try to try to help with those problems is look at what policy-wise can we push or move forward with or support or not support that in, uh, increases production of not only fuels but fertilizer, uh, increases the ability to transport stuff. Of course, some of the problems we're facing now are still some interruptions in the supply chain, whether it be uh, because of labor or whether it be because of lack of rain in Mississippi River, water in the Mississippi River. So there's a lot of things facing us and there's no shortage of issues. And speaking of some of those issues, let's get into some of the Supreme Court cases that are impacting farmers recently. So Waters of the U.S. And, and Prop 12. I know you all have been very involved in some of those discussions. Um, are you optimistic that those rulings will turn out the way that you slash we want them to? Well, both of those cases have been heard in the Supreme Court. I had the pleasure of t- making my first visit to the Supreme Court and listening to the Prop 12 case. And uh, we come away with a really good positive feeling. We, we feel like that that's going to be a positive outcome for us. But who knows? It's still a court, and it's a decision to be made. And uh, even though we come away with uh, good feelings about it, uh, we still don't know until they until they deliver that decision. Um, I, I will tell you that my experience at Supreme Court was different than I expected. And I think the reg- I, I think the farmers out there, because I am a farmer, and, you know, I still feel like I just come off farm yesterday. Uh, I, I, when I thought when I was going there, I thought, well, these are very prestigious judges, very uh, highly sought-after lawyers uh, that will be doing all the talking. And I thought, well, five minutes in, they'll be so far above my head legally that I wouldn't be able to understand anything that's being discussed. It was not that way. It was almost like sitting in a county commission meeting, listening to people ask questions and the answers coming forward that was really – just very common sense questions. Now, they were difficult questions, uh, but nothing that all of us farmers wouldn't have sat there and not be able to relate to. So I I came away with a really good feeling about our Supreme Court and that experience. It was a wonderful experience. Glad I got to do that. Now, as far as waters of the U.S., uh, we still feel, uh, have a positive feeling about that one, but we still think that there's, uh, we're not real sure how that one's going to turn out. And, uh, we're very disappointed that the EPA continues and this administration continues to write this new rule and it's becoming uh, final, we think, sometime before the end of the year. And if that tr- that's true and the, uh, and the uh, Waters of the U.S. ruling comes back in, in our favor, then they'll have to go back to the drawing board and rewrite that rule uh, the way it appears right now. So uh, a little more positive Prop 12, uh, 
uh, still positive with Waters DS, but more concerns in that area. Thank you for that policy update, President Duvall. That's uh, yeah, one big. One other thing, I can't I can't talk about those without talking about the wonderful coalitions that we've been part of in fighting it. You never fight something that big at Supreme Court by yourself. And from the Pork Association with Prop 12 to uh, the coalition that we've been uh, involved in with around the waters of the U.S., tremendous coalitions, uh, tremendous partnerships and working together to try to make something positive happen. Yeah, policy is certainly a big pillar of uh, AFBF and farm bureaus across the country, but also for us, uh, ag education and educating consumers is a, is a big thing. So is there a, kind of on the lighter side, is there a common myth about agriculture that you know, you've heard kind of frequently that you try to dispel every time you hear it? You know, all I hear is climate, sustainability, diversity. You know, uh, that's what I hear all day, every day long. Farmers are the most climate sensitive people in this country. Uh, and we do things right on our farm. Uh, of course, I'm not naive, but, you know, there's always some bad players. But the majority, way big majority of farmers do the right thing for the natural resources and the climate around their farm. And we have led the way for many decades. And the misconception is that, hey, this is the baseline and farmers have been doing bad things for years and years and years, and we got to get them straightened out. Well, that's a misconception because we've straightened it out years and years ago. We've continued to improve. Uh, we need to be recognized for the strides that we've made over the last three decades. We need to be recognized for that. Uh, and it need be, needs to be considered as we move forward. But we're just as excited today about the new technologies that are coming down the pipe that we're going to use to do an even better job. We won't quit doing what we're doing. We'll do better. Uh, our biggest concern is, will those technologies be available to us? Or is this movement going to push us back to doing things like we, our grandfather did and us not be as friendly to the climate as, as, uh, as we are today? So, you know, that's a huge misconception that I listen to every day. That's a great transition to uh, one of our next questions. We talk a lot here at Indiana Farm Bureau about wanting to pass farm down to the next generation. So what's one piece of advice that you give to someone maybe starting out in the farming or ag industry, maybe someone that wants to get into ag that hasn't before? Um, is there any advice that you'd give uh, to someone like that? Well, you know, I may I may be considered older, uh, but I'm not old enough to forget about being 25 or 30 years old. And nothing at that age, nothing happens fast enough. Mm -hmm. You, you want to farm, you want to farm big, you want to make a lot of money and raise your family. And you feel like, you know, I've only got a few years to do that. Well, and uh, in, in, the, in the scheme of things, maybe it is just a few years, but life is long and it's full of challenges. And the biggest challenge you got to accept is you're not going to get there overnight. And you may have to start slow. You may have to start working for someone else, prove yourself, you know. But to me, the advice I'd rather give is to the people my age, you know. Mm -hmm. If you have children and you're blessed with them coming out of ag school, and we need to find ways to help those young people be successful, either on our farms, it's been our families for generations, or help them find their own and make it possible for them to be able to make a living and stay on the farm and, and, and acquire and, and operate a farm. Uh, if they aren't family, then there's 
huge. There's a tremendous list of young people out there that want to do that. And we got to break down that barrier that keeps us saying, well, it's been in this family for generation, generation. I want to stay in this family and think about who's going to grow the food for our country and keep our country free and safe uh, because we can feed ourselves. And how is that land going to stay in agriculture? And what tools or what uh, process can I take to bring someone with a different last name onto the farm and be able to maintain that farm and agricultural land? And that's not easy. I know how difficult that is. And, 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 but I think that is the biggest challenge people my age have. And we need to be very serious about how we do that and be uh, open uh, and, and to do the research to try to find ways to do that. It's great advice on both ends of the spectrum, I think. It got me inspired on the first part a little bit. So if you think about that, you mentioned, you know, you're thir- in your mid-30s, you think, I got to do everything right now. I got to do everything right now. Time's running out. Maybe it's not, you know, you got a little bit more uh, leeway or, or track time. So what, what would you say has been the greatest learning experience you had? Maybe it was something in, in that period of your life or maybe something that didn't go well initially that you, you really built on and learned from. Well, I, I'll go both ends of my life. Uh, when I was 30, uh, I was farming during the 80s and neither one of you, have no idea what the 80s were like. Uh, my son and I have this, my, my veterinary son that farms with me have this conversation on a regular basis. I mean, oh my God, interest rates are at 6%. I paid 18% interest in 83 and 84. Wow. You know, I mean, uh, and, and survived it. I survived it by diversifying and doing my research and trying to find other ways to diversify in a way that we could uh, make things ends meet. Now, I'll tell you, it took up more hours. It took me away from my children. It made me have to work harder. Uh, but that's what it was going to take to stay in agriculture. And I thought the commitment was worth making. Uh, so if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to work smart and you're willing to budget your time and do the right things, you can survive almost anything. And yes, 6% is high, but uh, you can survive 6%, promise you. But, but it, just take, it just takes a lot more thought and a lot more hard work to do that. Uh, on my end of the spectrum, I think we need, we, need to dis, we need to start working on the issue that we just talked about, transferring land uh, to the next generation. We need to thought that, think that, take that thought process and start when we're 50, not when we're 60 or 65. Uh, that, that process takes a long time, and it really takes you a long time to get comfortable in your heart with it, especially if you're trying to bring a young person that's not, doesn't have your last name. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, not your gener- it's not the generation that uh, nation, generational name is attached to that land. Uh, and from both sides of that coin, I've experienced working a young man that's the age of my children and him dedicating uh, 10, 12, 15, now 17 years to me and my farm and proving to me that that young man deserves his shot and how the desire, his desire to have that shot, how it is bled into my heart to try to find some way to help him have that shot and do it in a way that he, he can sustain himself. And that is a huge challenge. It is not easy, but getting it in your heart. And once you get it in your heart, uh, I'll tell you, it's probably the most fulfilling thing that ever happens to you. 
That's special. So President Duvall, as one of our last questions, so this podcast is called The Breakdown with INFB. So we will ask all of our guests um, as kind of a final question, will you break down one thing that's happening at either AFBF or in, in your industry that people should have on their radar? Well, I think uh, the biggest thing we ought to have on radar short term right now is that, you know, we just come through an election. We've got a lot of new people coming to Congress, a lot of new people that have never, never experienced writing a new farm bill uh, and have absolutely no understanding of agriculture and what we're doing each and every day. The biggest challenge we're going to have in this farm bill is educating those new people coming to Congress. And uh, we can do our job here at American Farm Bureau. Our talented lobbyists up and down the hall will be in their offices, introducing themselves, uh, giving them access to our policy and becoming a reference and a source of information to them. Uh, but uh, that's just one step. It's really our way of cultivating and preparing the soil for our farmers, ranchers, and grassroots coming in behind us, reinforcing how policy and how um, uh, the farm bill affects their farm. You know, did did uh, Title I save your farm five years ago? Uh, did crop insurance get you to the next crop two years ago? And how did that affect your farm? And how important was it? And would you still be farming today if it wasn't there? And that new congressman or senator needs to hear that story uh, and, and understand not only how it affects that constituent, but what the farm bill and agriculture and the men and women that grow our food, the national security that we bring uh, by doing that hard work and making sure that we can fill the pantries of all Americans and all our brave men and women that are in uh, military and in our law enforcement. And that's a great call to action as 2023 starts. So we appreciate that. And here in Indiana, I'm sure we'll do our best uh, to try to be those uh, grassroots here in Indiana for you. So President Duvall, thank you so much for taking some time out of your, I'm sure, very busy schedule to talk to us today. We very much appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Indiana is a great example of some of the best farmland and farmers in the world. And I always enjoy going back there and Randy Crone is doing a tremendous job of leading that organization. So thank you to him and his friendship and all the hard work he puts into it. And thank y'all for what you do. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. If you enjoyed our conversation today with AFBF President Zippy Duvall, make sure to subscribe to The Breakdown with INFB and even rate and review us to let us know how we're doing. For more information, visit infb.org slash podcast. And up next, join us for a conversation with Indiana Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch.